You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. It's 11 o'clock at night. It's dark. You're sitting in front of the mirror getting ready for bed. There's nobody else in the house. You see something move in the corner of your eye. You glance to your right, but you don't see anything. Another minute goes by, and you think you see movement again. So you slowly turn to your left, but again, the room is empty. You turn back around, and staring you face to face in the mirror is a cat. You jump back, because you don't have a cat, and there's no cat in the room. But there he is, staring at you in the mirror. Welcome to Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week, we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion, with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Now, step into the supernatural world of pets with your Paranormal Pets ghostly host, our ghost host. Hello and welcome to Paranormal Pets. I'm your host, Brandy Stark. I apologize for the hiatus, but over the summer we were quite busy. Uh, in addition to nearing completion on a another thesis, I also bought a house and have been refurbishing it and moving my multitude of pets from one household to the other. If this episode sounds a little bit different, it's because I'm recording it in the new house. Uh, in the meantime, what we're going to do with this episode is try and catch up with a little bit of news, toss in a few ghost stories just to get you prepared for the Halloween season, and uh, maybe even include a personal encounter or two. And we'll start this right after these messages. Now, time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. from experience feels like home for her enter the code paranormal and save 10% on orders of $65 or more plus free shipping at petco.com how would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience we have a brand new trademark concept called info seeds info seeds are short 20 second seeds of information about your place of business Practice or service is the best, most cost-effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit the website. PetLifeRadio.com Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of InfoSeed. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available. My name is Brent Atwater, and I'm the Animal Reincarnation Authority. Join me every week on Alive Again, and let me look at your pet's energy to determine if they're going to reincarnate. I'll be able to tell you when they're going to come back and what they look like. So send me your pet's photo and email me your question at brent at petliferadio.com. 
I'm looking forward to answering your questions on Alive again. Every week only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On PetLife Radio. PetLife Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host. And welcome back. I'm your host, Brandy Stark. And as mentioned before the break, there are a few articles that have come out. I'll try to intersperse these uh, with the next couple of episodes. Obviously, October would be a really good month to put out some episodes on Paranormal Pets, so we're definitely going to work towards doing that. This first article is called, Do Animals Smile? And this deals with animals in the emotive state. Now again, I do include these articles with paranormal pets, primarily because if animals do have sentience and consciousness, which I myself believe they do, then it would indicate that they could become ghosts after life. They would have enough consciousness to uh, transcend the death of the body, and or possibly that they might have a more rational response to the supernatural than they're given credit for. Usually animals are considered to be quite instinctive when it comes to ghostly phenomena. This article, Do Animals Smile?, was published on Yahoo Green Monday, September 26, 2011, and was written by Sarah B. Weir and Tristan L. Bass. Pavlov might have called that happy look on your dog's face a collection of conditioned reflexes, but now science is catching up with what animal lovers have always known. According to Professor Nicholas Dodman, head of animal behavior at the Cummings School of Veterinary Medicine at Tufts School of Medicine, and a regular on Animal Planet's Dogs 101 and Cats 101, until recently, scientists have generally underestimated the emotional range of animals. He says that today it is widely understood by scientists that mammals do experience primary conditions such as fear, sadness, anger, and happiness, and even some secondary emotions like jealousy and embarrassment, and they communicate them. Donman says that dogs even have a sense of humor and laugh, the kind of huffing sound. He describes a study that examines how playing recordings of this laughing sound actually calms shelter dogs. And interestingly enough, when I read that paragraph, it reminded me of uh, the Hanna-Barbera villain and his dog that always used to do that very odd laugh. As for dog smiles, he points out that dogs note that the lips horizontally retract into what's called a submissive smile, a sign that a dog is non-threatening. It is an expression that disarms possible aggression, much like the human smile. Chimps, such as the group in our slideshow, exhibit what is called a play face, or an invitation for fun. Cats have naturally bowed mouths, like the cat in our slideshow, so Donman says it's tricky to pinpoint an actual smile, but they are emotionally sensitive, trainable, and effective. Among many other pets, Dodman has enjoyed sharing his home with rats, which he says are very affectionate and intelligent. Donman points out that your pet might not understand the exact details of your hard day, but you probably sense it is empathetic enough to curl up and listen. I also admire this man because he loves his rats. Mark Beckoff, Professor Emeritus of Ecology and Evolutionary Biology at the University of Colorado and author of the Animal Manifesto, Six Reasons for Increasing Our Compassion Footprint, agrees. People are often keener observers of animal behavior than they give themselves credit for, says the leading expert on animal emotions. Beckoff says that scientific research, for the most part, eventually confirms what animal lovers intuit and observe. 
Part of the lag is due to studying animals in a box, as Dodman calls it. Dodman, who has given a series of lectures on dog and cat behavior in November, explains that our advances in understanding the richness and depth of animal lives is enhanced by researchers such as Jane Goodall, who lived with animals in their natural environments. Beckhoff points out that it makes biological and evolutionary sense for animals to experience a range of emotions and be able to show them just as it does for humans. In a paper published by researchers from the University of Washington on rats, laughter, and joy, the author describes how young rats vocalize when being tickled. The scientist explains that this laughter is bonding and may have evolutionary relations to the joyfulness of human childhood laughter commonly accompanying social play. Beckhoff says our emotions might not exactly be analogous to those of animals, but neither are all human emotions the same. The way two siblings experience the death of a parent might not be exactly the same, but they are both experiencing grief. Beckhoff believes that our growing acceptance of animals as sentient beings based on scientific research needs to lead to legislation that provides significantly more protection of animals in labs, slaughterhouses, and entertainment. For example, a 2011 study on chimpanzees and mood disorders concluded that chimpanzees display behavioral clusters similar to PTSD and depression to humans in their key diagnostic criteria, underscoring the importance of ethical considerations regarding the use of chimpanzees in experimentation and other captive settings. As for how this understanding affects humans, it has also, as he puts it, increased humans' knowledge of our place in the world as mammals, unique mammals, but mammals nonetheless this in with uh, personal experience, I do know that over the past two weeks I have been very slowly trying to get my house in order uh, in order to move in. And one thing that happened was I got a beautiful housewarming gift from my mother, which was a an actual petting cage. This thing is immense. It's huge. 36 by 48, I think at least, maybe bigger than that. Glass, beautiful, huge area for some of my ratties to go into. And we finally got the cages. The, the store owners cleaned them up and they were kind enough to actually make a custom lid for me and to deliver them. And what I found very interesting is that rats, I will tell you, in case you don't know, they don't like change. They really don't. And uh, they were in a great deal of shock when I, I did move them. Uh, I did end up combining some rats and uh, monitoring them, making sure that they were okay together, and everybody made it just fine. But it was interesting actually to see what it was obviously surprised at being moved into something new. It was interesting to see how the rats socialized with one another as they met one another for the first time. And boy rats are something else because they will they'll do a lot of chest bumps and nose to nose and you know they're they're sizing each other up. But uh, unfortunately, there were three rats that I was keeping with me until the very last minute, and one of them was named Burbank. Uh, he was my oldest rat, and he was a hairless, and he was he had to be four years old, which for a rat, particularly a hairless, is pretty good. If you don't know, hairless rats are subject to uh, tumors, respiratory issues, and kidney failure. So uh, Burbank, I, I always adored because he was a very funny boy, and he always did things his own way. And in fact, uh, when all of the rats were being moved, he was carried with me. He enjoyed, he loved to travel, and so he loved looking around. He had a great evening. He had some banana. He got special treatment. And then he got to come back with me because, as I said, he was a, he's a solitary and a, an old man, so I, I just planned to keep him with me for a little while until I was actually in the house. And um, 
Unfortunately, the next day, uh, he had a very sudden decline and he passed away. I had two other rats, uh, Meshach and a roommate named Not So Smart, who were dwelling together. And um, I don't know what it is with rats. I, I'm going to toss this theory out, and if anybody has an idea, let me know. But I've had them for a number of years now, and I've always had multiples because solitary rats, in my opinion, are very sad. They like partners, they like interaction, they like to play. And I've always noticed when one rat dies, it never goes alone. It's the weirdest thing, but I can almost always count if one goes, at least a second one will go, and usually a third one will. It's really a truly eerie experience, and I, I don't know how to account for it, other than I think rats are very social and interactive, and when one goes, they all go. I don't know. Or the weakest go together. But the next day, after Burbank died, oddly enough, a not-so-smart rat began to show very sudden decline. Stopped eating, I put him on antibiotic, you know, I, I had the heating pad, I, I did everything I, I could for him, but his decline was also very, very quick. Now, not-so-smart was, um, he has a brother, uh, both of them were the unwanted litter of a feeder rat that a woman bought to rescue from being fed to a snake, so their breeding is, is probably pretty poor. But not so smart, as I said, was roommate to another rat named Meshach, and Meshach actually, uh, for a week, has undergone, for lack of a better term, depression. When his roommate died, Burbank, who was very socially interactive, particularly with me, simply wanted to sleep and he did not interact a lot at all, seemed to lose a lot of interest, was still eating, but just seemed very subdued. And finally, I decided that, you know, even though he would have to be in his own cage, uh, boys are a little bit tricky to try and combine, and he is an older boy. I brought him over so that he could at least see the other rats, and he immediately perked up. You know, he remembered them, I believe. Uh, he definitely uh, responded, and he responded in a very positive manner. So I always love articles like this because they're just yet another reminder for us to be a little more compassionate towards our animals because animals, personally, I, I honestly do not think they are that different from us, or we are not that different from them either way. So now that that has been said, again, if you have a theory or if anybody else has experienced this with their rodents, currently I'm up to about 15 rodents at present, uh, all rats, and um, basically half of those are rescue. I do not have litters on my own, I will tell you that. I, I keep everybody quite separate. All the girls are on their own, all the boys are together. But uh, ultimately, I've always found it fascinating that consistently, when one goes, usually one or two others will. And sometimes they appear to be incredibly healthy. And they just have this sudden decline. And nothing that I have done has ever really proven to be a strong enough intervention to stop it. So if you have an idea on that, if you experience that, uh, let me know. Because I'd like to get your thoughts on what exactly happens. All right, moving on to the more paranormal, thought uh, we'd take a look at a couple of articles. And since Halloween's coming up, I just pulled this from about.com, and it's about animals and ghosts. Even people who believe in an afterlife and the possibility of ghosts are often skeptical when it comes to the idea of spirit animals. They don't have souls or spirits, goes the argument, and therefore cannot have a life in the next world. 
But cats, dogs, birds, and other animals are made up of the same energy that humans are, and it may be possible that this energy can survive death, just as it can for people. Anyone who is close to their pets will testify to a psychic connection they share. Psychic energy and spiritual energy may all be a part of the same phenomena, and so animals might have as much of a connection to the unseen world as we do, maybe more. Animals not only may appear as ghostly forms, they may also be more sensitive to the proximity of spirits. Barbara S. tells of a stray black and white cat that her family adopted in the Queen section of New York City. They lived in an attached house that had no history of strange activity as far as they knew, but this high-strung kitten seemed to be able to see things Barbara's family could not. She would look at the stairs, her gaze slowly moving from the bottom to the top as if she were observing someone walking up the steps. At other times, her green eyes would be transfixed upon a certain spot on the ceiling above me. While I couldn't see anything, the cat was definitely watching something. After my son went away to college, I decided to put the house up for sale. One evening, shortly after the real estate agent that I contacted had looked at the house, I sat in my favorite chair with my little cat, nearby excitedly looking at the ceiling above me. I heard people run down the stairs in the house next door. Maybe the noise triggered what happened next, which was truly horrible. What I heard sounded like the heavy thumping steps of a big man with really heavy boots walking on my living room ceiling upside down. The cat was absolutely frantic. She looked at the ceiling, hissing and spitting. After about 10 seconds of deafening noise, there was silence. The cat stopped looking at the ceiling. I checked the upstairs rooms, but of course there was no one else in the house. Dogs can be just as sensitive as cats when it comes to sensing the unseen. Elvin M. tells of a ghostly figure in her home that made their presence known so often that her family actually named one of them. Bill, the other, was the ghost of a little girl. Elvin believes that her dogs, a seeing-eye-trained German Shepherd, Haywood, and a blue healer, Tuscan, were the first to notice them. Elvin was on the phone one day. Haywood was lying at my feet and began to growl. Tuscan went into hiding behind the stereo in the corner. As Haywood stood up, I felt a gust of cold air brush past me as he continued to growl into the dark basement. I feared that someone had broken into the house. I turned on the downstairs light as I stood directly behind Haywood, ready to let him run and attack whoever it was in the basement. I saw nothing, yet he continued to growl. I stayed on the phone and went across the room and pulled into the corner, scared to death. My boyfriend at the time was consoling me, telling me there was nothing there. At that moment, the little girl's voice came from the vent in the floor next to me. Haywood came and sat beside me as though he was protecting me, growling across the room the whole time. By the time my parents returned home, I was very upset and very scared as the voice continued. There is an obscure superstition that goes something like this. Knowing that animals can see ghosts, when an animal sees a ghost, one can, from behind the animal, look between their ears toward where the animal is looking and see the ghost that they see, said Scott P. Yet he tried this very thing and discovered the superstition is not true. He had the opportunity to test it as a young boy on a winter's day in his family's 100-year-old home, which had previously been a funeral home. I, with my cat and dog curled up for warmth, sat on a heater vent wrapped in a blanket. I was in the living room with a perfect view of the entryway. From here, I heard some footsteps upstairs. The cat's and dog's ears both perked up at the sound of the footsteps as they seemed to go down the hall toward the top of the spiraling staircase in the entranceway. Both animals watched some invisible presence slowly walking down the stairs and through the living room, then into the dining room. 
I quite apprehensively looked between both my cats and my dog's ears as their heads and eyes seemed to follow someone walking through my house. Both animals' heads moved in tandem and acted very much aware of the presence, yet I could sense nothing aside from the sound of steps and the reaction of the animals. I was somewhat disappointed. I can actually understand that because, quite frankly, if it was that easy... Actually, I don't know what I'd do. I use pugs, and pugs have the very floppy ears. Maybe I'd have to tape them up or something. I don't know. But uh, since I am what is sometimes known as PDK, psychic as a doorknob, meaning I really don't sense anything, something as simple as looking between a pet's ears would be marvelous. Oh well, at least we know that it doesn't really work. And what we're going to do at this point is we are going to pause for some commercial messages, and when we get back, we will continue with some decent animal ghost stories. Time for something really scary. A word from our sponsors. Paranormal pets will reappear before you can say Bigfoot. Don't run away. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash paranormal to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. How would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We have a brand new trademark concept called InfoSeeds. InfoSeeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service. We only have a limited number of slots left. For more information, visit PetLifeRadio.com. Click on Sponsorship Information. There you can listen to a sample of InfoSeed or email us at PetLifeRadio.com. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available. Hi, this is Marcy Davis and my service dog, Whistle, and we're your hosts of Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Working Like Dogs is the show where you can learn everything you ever wanted to know about working animals or working dogs. Whether you're a member of a working dog team or you've just seen a working dog or animal out at the mall or the grocery store and you're curious about how these amazing animals work with their human partners, then Working Like Dogs is the show for you. Join us for the inside scoop at Working Like Dogs on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Did you hear that? Our commercials have mysteriously disappeared. Paranormal Pets is back with our haunted host, our ghost host. And welcome back to Paranormal Pets. We are taking a look at some animal ghost stories. Now I will say uh, I did pull these from the net for now, although I do have a personal ghost story from a uh, spirits follower that I have been given permission to read. So just give me a little time and we'll get to that. This one is called The Amazing Cat Returns. 
So this is for all you cat lovers out there. This is a story about one amazing cat who continues to be amazing even after he's passed on. Magiku was my best friend. He'd been through thick and thin with me and continues to. He died very suddenly and I was heartbroken. I still remember him and I have a hard time eating and sleeping sometimes. Life hasn't been easy lately, but here are two of only some things he continues to do for our family, even after he's gone. It was difficult to get another cat after he passed on. We harbored no delusions of this cat being the same, and purposely chose one that didn't look like him. It wouldn't have been right to hold another cat up to him. He led us to the perfect little kitten. I almost didn't want her, but suddenly I felt as if Magiku wanted her to be with us. Still, I missed him terribly and almost didn't want to have anything to do with her. Then out of nowhere, this little kitten I've never ever seen before did something my cat always did, a little kiss, first with her nose, then a lick. It's easy to chalk that up to coincidence, but what followed wasn't. I was having an extremely difficult time with my job, questioning my career. Where should I be? What should I go? Where should I go? And when? I came to the difficult conclusion to quit the job I was in. It was time to move on, but I still harbored some hesitations. I loved that job, for the most of it. It was difficult to let it go. As I lay down for a nap, I felt something I've always felt for seven years before he passed. Magiku curled up beside me, nestled against my stomach. I opened my eyes to greet and pet him, but saw nothing except an imprint of a round, furry body on the cushion next to me. It was peaceful, nothing like I've ever felt before, so I closed my eyes and finished going to sleep. It was such a real and vivid experience that upon awakening, I expected him to be there with me. He wasn't, but a sense of rightness and peace was left. He gave me the faith and confidence in the decision I was supposed to make. The thing is, Magiku was always doing that for me. He was always providing reassurance, comfort, and confidence when things got tough. As it stands now, everyone misses him, the dogs, the rats, the humans. He was an extremely gentle, playful creature who would rather stare at the rats and rub his cheek against their little paws through the cages instead of stalking and hunting them. He often cuddled with one of my dogs in the sun. This family and household is not one of mourning, as some have often become when a loved one, animal or human, has passed. We grieve, yes, all of us, but the house never got that dark, oppressive sense that comes with the hopeless loss. The windows are open and we awake in the morning, as we have always done. It isn't unheard of to look towards the coffee table, the laundry room, or any other place he favored with the intent to talk to him or pet him, only to find we can't see him. His presence is that tangible and strong. The dogs look up and wag their tails at seemingly nothing sometimes. The rats will rush to the front of their cages and sniff wildly as they used to do with him, of course. We can't see anything. I believe Magiku is a guardian to our family, even as I type this and I can feel him curled up against my keyboard. So there you go. It is actually pretty amazing, and as we have had other guests on this show, including animal psychics, uh, one aspect of the animal nature is that the animal does continue to be with you. This one, I couldn't resist it. Uh, it is actually called The Bird Out of Hell. So for you bird lovers, here's one for you. I'm Haitian, so I'm very into the paranormal. Sometimes I know when things are going to happen through dreams. My mom practices voodoo. She chants and she dances to the gods. On with my story. I was 14 at the time. I'm 27 now. We lived in the ghetto part of Miami, Florida, Little Haiti, in a one-bedroom apartment building. There was my mom, me, and my little brother, and my little sister. We had the bedroom. My mom slept in the living room. My family wasn't at home at the time. It was just me. 
My boyfriend, Jean, called me and asked if he could come over, and I said, sure. Jean was sitting on a couch we had on the porch, and I was leaning on the open front door. We were just talking when I noticed this black crow, medium-sized, coming at me. I thought the bird was going to do a U-turn, but that thing came straight at my face. Something told me to get down. I ducked, and the bird flew into the apartment. My heart was beating so fast, I thought it was going to burst out of my chest. I looked over at Jean, and he's looking at me weird. I asked if he'd seen that, and he said he didn't see anything. But it was impossible. I said, you didn't see that bird coming straight from my eyes? He said he hadn't. I was confused, so I searched the tiny apartment. No open windows. I searched the entire apartment for that bird, but it was nowhere to be found. I looked like a crazy person tearing things apart looking for this bird. I'm positive tried to rip my eyes out of their sockets. I couldn't find the bird. It's like it completely disappeared into thin air. That bird meant to cause me harm. It attacked me. I was scared to death. I knew someone sent that thing for me even when we moved out. I searched at least for the carcass, bones, or anything else that could prove I wasn't crazy. And there was nothing. And I guess this will conclude the last of the internet ghost stories, and then we'll read a real-life testimony and wrap up this episode. It's called Crazy Red, the Chicken Ghost. Now, just as an aside, this is a really good reason why one should be a vegetarian. Uh, These things don't happen to you in that respect, at least not usually. Maybe we'll be haunted by tofu, I don't know. My husband and I purchased a small farm house with a few acres of land in rural Pennsylvania. At the closing, the owners at that time asked us if we would like to keep the two cats that lived in the barn, and if we did, they would give us the six hens that were currently housed in the small hen house alongside the barn. They assured us that they laid an egg a day, and they did, which we were very grateful for. I, being an animal lover, enjoyed the chickens very much. We had a routine, the cats, the chicken, and I. The first chores of every morning for several years was stopping at the hen house to collect the eggs. I was met at the door of the hen house by the two cats that we had become owners of. I would break them a raw egg on a big stone slab right outside the hen house and let the chickens out and feed them. The six hens became quite tame and would follow me around and even came with me when I called their names. I had given them all names, of course. There were two black ones, two red ones, and two white ones. Now two of these chickens had quite quirky personalities. One of the white chickens was much larger than the others and seemed rather bossy. Thus I called her Queenie. And one of the red chickens was quite noticeably uh, the skittish type. Thus I named her the Crazy Red. Crazy Red ran everywhere she went, and I do mean everywhere. I felt quite sorry for her a lot of the time as she seemed afraid of her own shadow. My husband and I would always comment on Crazy Red. There she goes again. Wonder what she's running from now. It got to be a huge joke and we started making up things that she could be running from. As the years passed, the hens became old and didn't lay eggs anymore. We didn't care. I still kept the routine going, only the cats didn't get a fresh egg every day. Eventually the chickens started dying one by one. I would find them just lying peacefully in the hen house, dead. The last two left were Crazy Red and Queenie. One summer morning, early in the season, I went to feed the chickens and let them out and found Crazy Red was really sick. I took her to the vet and they couldn't do anything for her. She died in my arms and I buried Crazy Red along with the others that had gone before. There's only Queenie left. I really think Queenie died of a broken heart a year later, but that's another story. The following fall after Crazy Red passed, I was winterizing my barn on one of those warm sunny fall days that are so typical of autumns in Pennsylvania. I had been working on putting plastic up so the cold wind wouldn't get into the barn and chill my horses. I had been working approximately three hours when I decided I needed to sit for a few minutes and take a break. As I was walking down my aisle of my barn, I saw Crazy Red go running past the barn door. 
Much to my amazement, I never gave it a second thought at the time, just thought, there goes Crazy Red, and laughed. I took a two-minute break, got up and finished the plastic to block the wind, fed the horses, and called for Queenie to come on in. Lo and behold, to my amazement, I realized that I had not let Queenie out of the enclosed grassy area that morning. I realized at that moment that I had actually seen a ghost chicken. It was Crazy Red. I was quite sad at first that she was gone and that was immediately followed by a sense of gladness knowing that she was still running around in her usual manner. I have never seen Crazy Red since that warm autumn day, but I will never forget what I saw or Crazy Red as long as I live. The last story that I have to share with you is actually from a Spirits of St. Petersburg reader named Mike, who uh, shared this story actually just this past week. Okay, so I purchased some equipment that I found online, a K2 meter and a digital recorder, which I have been using around my house on and off for the past year. I never had any hits or unusual activity whatsoever. Nothing. Nada. Zip. Then last month, my beloved Pooch Peter passed away and I was devastated. I had her for 14 years and you know how it goes. It started about two weeks after she passed away. My other dogs would clearly see something that I couldn't and go absolutely crazy. It was weird. One night I was feeding my basset hound puppy who has a ferocious appetite. Nothing will distract this dog while he gobbles down his food. And he was about a fourth of the way through when something scared the living stuff out of him. He let out a yelp and bolted and would not return to the room for over an hour. I thought maybe he saw a bug or something. Then the next night, the same thing. About a quarter of the way through of his feeding, he freaked out and ran from the room, leaving his food behind. Night number three, same thing. It was so strange. A few days later, I was lying awake at 2 a.m., sad and missing my pooch, I decided to take out my digital recorder that I hadn't touched in months. I started to ask questions, call out to my dog, you know, just stupid random things. Guess what? I played it back and I have an actual EVP. It wasn't a dog, just a female voice very clearly and calmly saying, go to bed. I could not believe it. I froze. Then I became a little freaked out. Immediately I jumped up, turned on every single light in the house. I was all alone. There was absolutely no one else around me. I have done this so many times back when I first bought the equipment and I never even had the faintest hint of anything whatsoever. This is really exciting stuff for me. Uh, Probably normal for you guys, but I thought I'd share. And yes, it is always very exciting when you actually have a form of response. So I, I don't disagree with him. And I find it fascinating that the impetus for this was his dog and his love for his recently deceased dog. Well, at this point, I am going to close out this episode. I'm going to remind you all to please continue to support animal rescues. Uh, The holiday season's coming up. There are many, many, many animals out there that need to be adopted. Please consider pug rescue or animal rescue in general. And at this point, I'm going to wish you a happy three weeks to Halloween. And uh, we will continue to try and see what we can find for some decent paranormal stories stories just to kind of get you in the mood. Have a good one. Pet Life Radio presents Paranormal Pets, where you can always expect the unexpected. Each week we'll discuss all aspects of weird or spiritual animal encounters, ghosts, totems, psychic animals, animal souls, animal angels, and animals in religion with a little cryptozoology thrown in. Step into the supernatural world of pets every week on demand, only on Pet.
PetLifeRadio.com.